Paris, to me, it's the capital of Europe, and you can never get tired of it. And I just love the way the Seine winds through the city, and the city faces its river, and I also love the way it's laced together by bridges that just give so much meaning to your wanderings through Paris. Elaine Shalino is a journalist for the New York Times. She's written books about Paris. Her new book is called The Seine, The River That Made Paris, and she talks about the bridges that lace together the right bank and the left bank in Paris. Elaine, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on your show. I love the way your book, The Seine, The River That Made Paris, illustrates the importance of the Seine to France and to Paris. And of course, Paris was born on the Seine, wasn't it? Yes, there would not have been a Paris had it not been for the Seine and for the Ile de la Cité, the island that is the center, the heart of the city of Paris. And that goes back to Roman times. Pre-Roman times, I suppose. Pre-Roman times, absolutely. Now, when we think about the Seine through the centuries, through most of the centuries, it's been a mucky riverbank where you've got all sorts of slime and sewer and garbage and poverty. and, And then over the centuries, you've built this wonderful embankment that sort of tames the river and, and makes it an elegant part of the city. Talk a bit about the embankment in Paris. Well, the embankment of Paris really, the way it looks like now, was conceived in the 19th century. And before that, you could pretty much walk along the banks of the Seine and bring your cows and horses and dogs right into the river, your laundry, whatever. Now it's a little bit more challenging, although there are places right now in Paris that you can walk right down into the river Hmm. and, you know, go swimming if you're so inclined. But with this mighty embankment, you also have elegant bridges lacing it together, the the right and the left bank. And one of my favorite things in Paris is just to walk along the banks of the river and in, or cruise the river and enjoy the bridges. I've got so many vivid memories of just being on the top of one of those River Seine tourist boats and going under these glorious bridges. And the more you know about the context of these bridges, the more fun it is to sail under them. Let's just go and there's four bridges that really come to mind for me, and I'd love to just talk about each of them as if we're cruising down the river. And first we come to the Pont Neuf. It means the new bridge, right? It means the new bridge, even though it's uh, the oldest bridge in Paris. And when it was built, it was finished in the beginning of the 17th century, it was a miracle. It was an architectural, dazzling creation because it was the first bridge that didn't have houses on either side so that people would come to the Pont Neuf and look at the expanse of the river. It became the heart and soul of Paris where you would come and have all sorts of wild activities. You could join up for the army or buy exotic oranges or have a tooth pulled or watch jugglers or exchange gossip. You could buy false teeth and glass eyes and wooden legs and live poultry and skin whiteners. So it really was the place to be. It was a gathering place, a piazza for the city. It was. You know what? That's exactly right. It's like a piazza in the shape of a bridge. Now, when you said it didn't have houses on either side, are you talking like lined with houses and shops like the Ponte Vecchio in Florence and the London Bridge in in London? Precisément, exactly. That you finally had an open view to the river and you didn't have these barriers in the shape of houses blocking your 
the visual joy of um, that's of, the mark of, daily of, a, life. of a city that has some pride because it's just a practical matter. If you had a bridge that you needed to help pay for and maintain, you'd rent out space to it, and it would obliterate the fact that it feels like a bridge. So London Bridge and the Ponte Vecchio. It would be lined by shops that were paying rent to the city so they could have that great bridge. Pont Neuf, it's a piazza. That's great. The next yes. bridge we come to is the Pont des Arts. All right. The, uh, what, what does that mean, and, and how is it unique? Well, it's the Bridge of the Arts, and I love this bridge because it join, it's a walking bridge. It's a pedestrian bridge, and so it's a great bridge for picnicking. But if you stand in front of this bridge at the Louvre, and look through a gorgeous courtyard that not very many people know about. It's called the Cour Carré, the square courtyard. You can look through the arch, and you can see right across the bridge to the Institut de France on the other side Mm. of the river, which is where the Académie Française is. And you just feel like you've got this magical, long view of uh, Paris. And this is a pedestrian bridge. And I love the way Paris prioritizes for pedestrians, and on many occasions, it's actually an open-air art gallery with some beautiful statuary to enjoy, and it's just part of a love of life on the streets in Paris. Yes, exactly, and and it underscores how there is this everyday sharing, partage, between the bridge and the river. And it just inspires so much romance, and all these romantics uh, were coming there, as they do all over Europe these days, with their padlocks and locked their love on the on the bridge with these padlocks and through the keys into the river. But that actually threatened the uh, the actual <laughs> safety of the bridge, didn't it? It did. And they were banned from the Pont des Arts. And so the Lovelock people then moved over to the Pont Neuf. Hmm. But what happened one day is that one of the panels fell into the river. And I hmm. sort of think that maybe there were a lot of American tourists on the tourist boats below threatening to sue the city of Paris if one of them fell on the Boat. Oh. So they're technically banned now, although you can see them, the Lovelocks kind of cropping up at the edge of bridges, every place where there's like a little hook. They're just like weeds to... or rashes that you can't keep down. It is such an amazing... Mushrooms. Mushrooms, Mushrooms that's yeah. what it is, because all over Europe, you know, officials try to save the bridge by, <laughs> by not letting people do that, and they find little areas to lock their locks, and uh, I guess people have to show their love some way, and it helps the people who sell locks stay in business, Exactly. I guess. A lot of people are making money yeah. selling locks, yes. We're taking a closer look at the beautiful bridges of Paris with correspondent Elaine Shalino on Travel with Rick Steves. She's the author of The Seine, The River That Made Paris. And when we walk a little further along the river, we come to the Pont de la Concorde. And to me, there's so many ways that the city design, the boulevards and the grand buildings and the domes and the bridges, link things together. And it's fascinating to me to think that the Pont de la Concorde links the uh, Place de la Concorde with the National Assembly. What sort of uh, conclusions historically can we draw from the Pont de la Concorde? Well, I like to argue that every bridge has its own story and structure and composition and character. And this bridge was built during the French Revolution and in part with stones from the demolished Bastille. And the bridge's engineer said that he was using them so that the people of Paris could forever trample on the old fortress, which I just think is marvelous. So wait a minute, 1789, (laughs) the people of France are really angry and a vent, they go over to the big heated prison and they literally tear it down. And then some of those stones from the Bastille end up building this bridge and it's named Pont de la Concorde. What does Concorde mean? Well, Concorde is named after the Place de la Concorde, which is the very chic 
a place where you have those extraordinary fountains where you also have, uh, just on the side, you have the American Embassy in a very beautiful park. That's where so the big uh, obelisk is now, right? The Egyptian correct. obelisk. Correct. That's exactly. It's where this fabulous obelisk was uh. was brought all the way from Egypt via the Seine, by the way. Ah, that's the very bottom of the Champs-Élysées. But what is, I think, really interesting, if I remember correctly, the Place de la Concorde, that vast you're going to see it when you go to uh, Paris for sure. It used to be the Place de la Guillotine, and that's where the guillotine was set up that chopped off the heads of the king and queen of France and ended the old regime. And now you go from that place across the Pont de la Concorde built with bricks from the Bastille to the National Assembly, which would be like our Congress, and exactly. you celebrate liberty, fraternity, and egalité. Egalité, precisely, yes. Oh, so remember that when you go to the Pont de la Concorde. <laughs> and let's finish it with my favorite bridge in Paris because it's just um, a celebration of the Belle Epoque. Is that the word, epoque? That's, um, that's exactly right. The yeah. Pont Alexander III. Uh, describe that to us. Well, this is by far the most decorated and for many the most beautiful bridge in Paris because it is adorned with dolphins and sea monsters and nymphs and goddesses and snakes. And it's just a cacophony of beautiful, over-the-top gold gilt. And uh, you can't walk over this bridge and not feel as if you're in another, another world, a magical world of romance. And how many movies have been filmed on this extraordinary bridge where you, you want to just kiss the one you're with? And uh, how many brides or brides-to-be have traveled thousands of miles, literally, to be there and get their wedding portraits taken? Well, there's this whole fad now in China that if you have enough money and you're about ready to get married, you come over to Paris before you get married, put on your wedding garb, and you pose on one of these bridges in front of the Eiffel Tower. You know, Paris is called the City of Light, and uh, I'm always aware of that on the bridges. When we think about this Pont Alexander III, in the daytime, the sun is glinting off of the gold medallions, and in the evening, Paris just beautifully floodlights its monuments, and that includes the bridges. And the French are so into lighting, and in your article about this, you wrote that there's two schools of lighting, the Paris School and the Lyon School. Uh, what's the difference between those two schools? Well, the Paris School of Lighting is sort of bathing the entire monument or bridge in a flat, even light, where the Lyon School is when you've got a bridge or a monument with a lot of detail, you want to focus tiny little pointillistic lighting all around it. And there, there actually is a whole department in Paris City Hall that is dedicated to lighting the bridges and monuments of Paris. And Paris spends millions of dollars every year to light its city. Elaine, you've put such um, heart and soul into your new book, The Seine, The River That Made Paris. And we've talked about two or three miles out of this 500-mile-long river. And it's just one beautiful dimension of a beautiful city in a beautiful country. Thanks for sharing this from your perspective as a person who's long loved and appreciated the City of Light. Well, thank you, Rick, and I want to know when you and I are going to explore the Seine together. Let's do it. I'll let you know next time <laughs> I'm in Paris. Thanks, Elaine. Great. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. 
travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.